If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Lisa. Lisa was relatively young when she started her journey to become a solo mum by choice, but knew that she always wanted to be a mother. She's in WA and mum to a gorgeous three-year-old boy, Teddy. One of the biggest things she had to overcome is what her new identity is now that she's a mum and a career woman. So welcome to the podcast, Lisa. I'm really keen to hear and what you went through to make the decision to become a solo mum by choice. Great. Thanks for having me, Alicia. I'm really excited to be here um, and to share my story um, and the story of my um, son, Teddy, as well. Brilliant. So what was it that made you decide that you wanted to become a solo mum by choice? I guess I always knew I wanted to be a mum. I'm really quite independent. And I remember even at a really young age saying, you know what, if I don't meet someone, I'm going to have a child on my own without really knowing, I think, what that meant or, or what it entailed. Um, but then I think when I turned 30, um, I just come out of a relationship and I said, you know what, I think I'm just going to start looking into this a bit more because it's something that I, I, I think I really want to do. Yeah. Um, but let's just see, you know, what it takes to, to go on this journey. You kind of have the idea it's something you want to do, but you have no idea what's actually involved. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess, look, at, I know now there's you know, Instagram pages and, and Facebook groups and all of that. But at the time, look, those, those probably definitely were there, but I had really no concept of it. So I just sort of, yeah, had really no idea what, what to do or how to go about it. Um, so in January 2000 and, was in 2016, mm-hmm. I was 31. Um, so I just went to my GP, said this is what I wanted to do, asked for a referral, um, just, you know, Googled fertility clinics, found the one closest to me yeah. and, and made an appointment. Um, and I know now things are, are definitely a lot, um, there's a lot more um, waiting around and for an appointment, but I got an appointment pretty quick. So I was like, oh, okay, great. This is easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I went in to meet the doctor and I was 31 at the time. And he kind of looked at me a bit and was like, oh, you know, you're still really young. Why yeah. don't you just wait and and you'll meet someone? And I said, okay, look, definitely I, I'm not ruling that out. That might be true, but I'd still really like to 
get this process started, um, just so it's there in case it's something that I want to, to look at doing in the future. Yeah. Um, so um, he was like, okay, well, you know, it's your choice. That's fine. Um, so the next step, I think for most people, it might be the same way you are, but I know in WA you have to do counselling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had to do, uh, do two counselling sessions at least six months apart. Um, so at that, least six months apart. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you do one session and then you've got to wait six months and, and nothing kind of happens within that six months. Okay. Um, so you just kind of do your session, wait six months, come back again, have another chat to the counsellor, you know, if it's something that you still want to go ahead with. And um, I guess they're happy for you to go ahead with it through the clinic. Um, then you can go ahead from there and choose your sperm. Okay. So all that kind of happened really quick. I, yeah. Got, it, got an appointment with the fertility specialist, um, did the first counselling session, did the second counselling session. I didn't really put, I guess, a lot of thought into that either. I was sort of like, oh, well, I'll just do it because you need to do it to, to move further along the process. Yeah. Um, like I said, I didn't put, oh, and this is what I wanted to do, but I also didn't put a whole lot of thought or research into it either. I was just kind of like, let's just go for it. Um, so after I did the counselling, then you got access to the sperm. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, I guess I was really lucky at the time. There were, I think from memory, three local donors and two international donors I could choose from. Okay. And again, not a whole lot of thought. Just read them on paper and said, okay, this one sounds good. I'll, I'll just choose this one. And, and that's what I did. Um, I know I hear a lot of people saying, you know, they want someone who, a donor who maybe looks looks like them or the same nationality and stuff like that. But um, I'm also adopted. Okay. So, yeah, so no one in my family looks like me. Yeah. Um, and actually quite a lot of adoptions throughout my, my family. Um, so I wasn't too, that definitely wasn't at the forefront of, of my mind. I thought, yeah. well, I'm going to have got dark hair. I've got you know, dark, darker skin. Hopefully child is going to come out looking like me because my dark features will, will hopefully dominant. reign over. <laughs> yeah, will, will be dominant over, over anything else. Um. So yeah, I just I liked the look of, of one of one donor. It wasn't really about the um, the physical attributes at all. It was just something that he had sort of written that um, he just really wanted to help other you know other women or other couples make make a family. Mm-hmm. And that sort of more resonated with me than anything else. And did you go with um, one of the local donors or an overseas? Donor? I did. No, I did. I ended up going to a local donor. Um, through I think I'm just trying to remember I think at the time if you wanted to use an overseas donor you had to buy something like 10 vials of Mm -hmm. sperm or 10 straws I think it was of sperm um and that was like ten thousand dollars wow um yeah and that was the minimum through my clinic that you you had to buy so you had to buy you had to pay that much money to to have all of those and um look I I like the look of of the of the local one that I chose um so yeah I, I just it was obviously it was significantly cheaper to, to use to buy local sperm. Um, so yeah, chose a sperm donor. I, I paid for the sperm, um, but then I didn't do anything else after that. Okay. So that probably brought me to the end of maybe 2016, by the mm-hmm. time kind of all that process happened. And then I thought, I'm just going to sit on it a bit longer. Um, so I guess the, the like, I still definitely wanted to do it. Um, and I would say probably the lack of thought maybe I put into this whole process I guess in other parts of my life, I'm a lot more anal and organized about things. Yeah. So I kind of thought, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need, this is just for me personally, I need to have money. 
mm-hmm. and I really wanted to have things kind of set up in my life. So when I did decide to do this, I have done, I guess, as much organizing as planning around, I guess, maternity leave and taking time off. Yeah. So I guess what I did then, for, I guess, probably the next year is um, start saving money. Yeah. So I'm paying extra, I've got my, I've got a mortgage, paying extra on, a, on my mortgage, um, putting more money aside, because I guess when you're on a full-time wage, it's a lot easier. So yeah, paying more money on my mortgage, um, putting more money into savings. And I actually started buying things that I thought I would need. So I bought a bigger car because yeah. I had a, you know, I had a decent sized car, but you know, I wanted to have like a, you know, an SUV <laughs> that would be like, you know, the pram and, and all of the baby stuff. So like got a new car. Um, I even sort of went out and got, um, like I had a whole room set up in before I started trying. So I kind of tried to buy big ticket items while I was working and had a wage. While you felt rich. My wage. <laughs> yeah. Well, I felt rich. Um, so I kind of, yeah, buy some big ticket items um, so that when the time actually came, I wouldn't be outlaying lots of money. So you were just, so you I, said it in your mind that this was going to work. And so you were just sitting up. Yeah. Well, I, 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 was, I was never really, yeah, look, I guess I was never really thinking, I was still thinking, oh, like maybe I won't do this. But I guess when I was thinking that I would, I suppose I never really thought that it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, I was being positive or not. I just, I guess the thought just never really occurred to me that, that, that it wouldn't work out somehow. Yeah. So like I had, you know, like the change table, I had the dresser, I had the cot, I had the room set up. So kind of all those types of things sorted before I did anything. And that kind of, I guess all that saving that kind of took me to the end of 2017. Yep. Um, and what I also wanted to do was at that time, make sure that I was at my job for 10 years because at 10 years you get long service leave. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to use that long service leave in combination with like, you know, annual leave, um, you know, government Centrelink pay. And I got maternity pay through my work to kind of get me through the year, yeah. have a year off that I would be paid, you know, a wage so that I could, you know, live off that and enjoy having a year at home. So I think it was November 2017, I went back to the clinic and said, oh, I'm back, um, you know, I, I'm ready. I really want to start looking at doing this. Um, and so, yeah, I had, I guess, the sperm that I bought, um, you could have two IUIs mm-hmm. and that didn't work then the three um, straws that were left were to be used for IVF. Okay. So again, I kind of just went into it, not really thinking too much about it, just did, I guess, the first round of IUI. Um, and I did that, but then I didn't fall pregnant. Yeah. Um, which I guess was quite devastating at the time. It was close to Christmas. Um, I thought, well, of course, Jesus is going to give me a baby for Christmas. How could he not make me pregnant for Christmas? I'm a good person. Um, I'm a social worker. I help people. This is you know, my time to be paid back for all the good that I've done. Yeah. Um, but it didn't work, didn't work out that way, um, which was which was fine. Um, so that, like that was and that was going into Christmas. I was a bit, it was sad that it didn't work. I was like, okay. Um, you know, pull yourself together and then in the new year, try again. Mm-hmm. So then I think it must have been sort of late January, early February, I did another IUI. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those people that um, tests <laughs> in that two-week wait because um, I always wanted to be hopeful. Yeah. I thought, well, if you don't know, 
there's always hope that you could be pregnant. Yeah. Um, and I was, and then look, I was really, I guess I was at the time, it was lucky that after um, doing that, I tested and was pregnant. Yay. Yay. Which was, was amazing. Um, I was so happy. Um, but then unfortunately after that, I had a miscarriage. Um, yeah. Um, which again, at the time was extremely devastating. And then I think like for most people going through this or even just, you know, um, couples, you kind of wonder how you'll yeah, pull yourself together to, to get over it um, yeah. and, and to do it all again. Um, but you do. Did and you then, have quite a good support network around you when you were going through that? Like did other people know that could help, I guess, yeah. help you up a little bit or, and support yeah. you through that? Yeah, so um, for all of, I guess, even back, sorry, I should go back to the start, um, I told my family mm-hmm. were very, yeah, very, very supportive of, of what I was going to do. Probably thought I was a bit crazy, but, but you know, but, but really supportive. Um, I think just crazy in the sense that it's, it's hard work to raise a child. Yes. If, you know, a mum and a dad or a mum and a mum or a dad, dad or two parents, it's, um, I think they're just worried it's, you know, going to be really hard to, to do it on your own. Um, but they were very, very supportive. And then I had two close friends that I had told as well yeah, um, who were supporting me. Um, so, no, I was very lucky to have, have a good network, a good network around me. Um, but then after that, I think in April, April, let's see, April 2018, I did um, a round of IVF. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to get um, five embryos. Oh, wow. Five, yeah. Five good good quality embryos yeah. from that, um, and then they transferred one at three days, and I was lucky. That's the one that that stuck. Oh yeah, that stuck, um, and that gave me yeah my little boy at the end of that year, and then I still have uh, the four other embryos. They're still frozen, and then you've still got two uh, straws of sperm as well if you needed them. I did. Um, I, I relinquished those. Okay. Um, I, yeah. I knew I wouldn't ever be going to use those. Um, but I, as I'm lucky, I've got four good quality, good yeah. quality embryos on ice at the moment. Um, so yeah, that's sort of in short, <laughs> how I got to be, how I got to be pregnant. Um, and then I guess actual pregnancy was, was, I guess, relatively speaking, pretty fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like most people, the first kind of 12 weeks was just a bit, was just feeling really nauseous. Um, I was never hungry, unfortunately, <laughs> throughout pregnancy. Um, the fertility treatment and being pregnant just made me lose my appetite. Um, so it was really hard to even just be wanting to eat. And I was really sad because I thought I said, if I'm, if I'm pregnant, I'm just going to give away healthy eating because I was, you know, going to the gym every day, eating really healthy food. I thought, no, you know, you might only ever be pregnant once. If you want to eat McDonald's every day, just do it because yeah. this is your chance. But I never got that. I never got that that chance because <laughs> I just didn't want to eat. And when I did want to eat, I just wanted to eat raw vegetables. Jealous. I just wanted to eat all thing. of the carbs in the world. <laughs> no, it was just the saddest thing ever. Um, but, yeah, after 12 weeks, I started to feel, yeah, um, a bit like myself again, um, started going back to the gym um, and I was gymming every day up until um, up until Teddy was born. That's yeah. my son, Teddy, up until he was born. Um, 
but yeah, I think I think relatively speaking, yeah, a, a good good pregnancy. I felt felt yeah tired, but but really good. I didn't sort of have any of the typical aches and pains and issues that you know other people around me had. I just had some yeah weird food cravings like vegetables, which was yeah not good. Um, I was really itchy. I was yeah. so itchy. I just could not stop scratching um, like my back and my underarms. It was just all that was that was probably the wor- one of the worst things. So those um, weird side effects of pregnancy that nobody warned you about. Yeah, like why it was, am I itching? Yeah. This is so odd. I had to buy a back scratcher and carry it around everywhere with me because otherwise <laughs> I'd be asking people to scratch my back because it was just it was awful. Um, and I eventually got that under control with some antihistamines. Um, basically, wearing light summer clothes in the middle of winter. Yeah, <laughs> and um, there's something else as well. Is that I can't remember, but just a bunch of other, oh, having cold showers in the middle of winter because the heat exacerbated my itching. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was it was it was not not good, but relatively speaking, a good pregnancy. Um. And then he and then was time to have the little man. How did that go? Yes. Yeah, so he was due, he was meant to be born um, early January 2019. And I kind of said, I do not want a Christmas baby. I just do not want a child at Christmas. It is horrible. How's he going to celebrate Christmas and his birthday for the rest of his life? Um, yeah. But that's sort of what I ended up having. <laughs> so um, I went through um, so all fertility. So all fertility here is um, done privately. All our specialists are private. Mm-hmm. Um, but after I left the clinic, obviously you've got the option of going public or private. Um, so I went public, mm-hmm. um, which um, for, for me worked out to be really well, was, was a good decision for me. Um, I worked at the time in a public hospital and I kind of felt like I had been saying, you know, trust the public health system to all of my patients. I kind of felt a bit like, well, I should put my trust in the public health system too. Yeah. Um, so I just went along to the, um, just the, the clinics, the clinic that they ran at, at my local hospital. Um, I don't think they, I, I would assume they hadn't seen many IVF pregnancies. Uh, okay. um, certainly not with someone doing it on their own. Um, so I always got to see a doctor and have a scan when I went, which was really nice. That's not normal um, for the public, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> it's definitely not. I know it's it's definitely not the norm. I think they thought I was quite an interesting case, even though I think typically my pregnancy was pretty normal. Yeah. And nothing, nothing really exciting, nothing happened that was exciting of you know during it. Um, so that was yeah, that was a nice touch. And it was always nice just to um see the baby and, and to hear the heartbeat every time, every time that I went in. Um, but then I did I was having regular scans. Um up until the birth again because I didn't put on I put on hardly any weight at all yeah. well, in, in some ways people look at that and say oh it's, it's good but in other ways it was also hard because there was concern about about the baby mm-hmm. and whether or not he was developing normally and I would be eating but just not putting on any weight I think overall I only put on like five or six kilos right. by the end of it. so um Everyone's kind of yeah monitoring quite closely. So on Christmas Eve, I went in to have a scan. Um, this is probably 4:30, 5 o'clock in the afternoon of Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. Um, and the um the um the radiographer doing the ultrasound sort of said that, oh look, 
you know, it doesn't look like the baby's growing much since the last scan. Okay. There was concern that the placenta had stopped working. Yeah. And they said, oh, look, I think we need to send you up to the hospital for the um, doctors to have a look at you. We think maybe you might need to, you know, give birth today. You said, no, I was like, I don't oh, want no, a Christmas no. baby. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I came for a scan. It's Christmas tomorrow. I have none of my stuff. This, this is just not happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, so they went up to the hospital. I was there for a couple hours. They monitored everything. They said, look, baby is, baby is fine. Um, we're happy if you want to go home and um, have Christmas with your family. But then we want you to come back on Boxing Day and mm-hmm. we'll induce you. Um, and by that stage, I was 38, 38 weeks and five days. So, you know, full, full term. Good. Yeah, full term. Um, kind of felt like I had it in me to go to forty, even past forty. Um, despite all the all the um, I guess itchiness and I had insomnia as well. I never slept. I still really enjoyed being pregnant, and I quite liked being pregnant. Um, so I kind of didn't. I wasn't ready to not be pregnant. <laughs> I know some people are ready, but I probably could have just stayed pregnant forever. I actually yeah. felt reasonably okay. Um, but yeah, went home, had Christmas got my bag, went back to the hospital the next day with my mum was with me mm-hmm. and they started to, to do the induction. Um, and look, looking back now, it was probably, it was good because the hospital was quiet, you know, even though I was on the public side, had private everything because there was just no one else there. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they started doing the induction and um, I guess it, it was working, but it also didn't work. And I started to get really, I started to feel really, really unwell. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had like the monitor thing like around your belly um, and they're monitoring the baby. And then they said, oh, look, he was getting, I was distressed. The baby was getting distressed because I felt so unwell. Yeah. Um, so they stopped the induction. Um, and kind of while they were down there, they kind of just popped my waters. The doctor popped my waters while I was Is that down there. not the most unpleasant thing ever? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> because I was so unwell I didn't really notice she kind of said oh we'll just pop your waters I was like oh okay cool um I still didn't feel very well um but yeah she did that while they were down there they gave me some antibiotics and they said okay well basically you're in labor I said oh okay so you know what happens now um again I didn't really do any reading about what labor was like, um, what I should be doing. I I've kind of room. Thought, I've got the I've got the pram, yeah, everything I, else. Yeah, I, was, yeah. <laughs> I thought, you know, I'll just go with the flow. Whatever happens, happens. I didn't have a birth plan. Uh, all I knew was that I was open to having an epidural. That was only the kind of thing I was um kind of sure about. Yeah. And I did go to I did go to an antenatal um, you know, birthing day thing that they have at the hospital. Um, but I had a choice between watching labor or going to lunch. So I chose lunch on the day. Um, <laughs> looking back was maybe not the smartest thing to do. Um, but I, I had no idea what would happen next. And they sort of said, oh, you know, it's your, it's your first baby. It's going to be hours before you have, you know, before he comes out. So just, you know, settle in. Everything will be okay. I said, okay, cool. Um, so this was maybe 3.30 in the afternoon on Boxing Day. Um, so I kind of said to my mom, oh, you know, because she wasn't expecting to stay. We thought that I'd be, they start the induction, I'd go to the ward, I'd stay there overnight. Yeah. Then I'd come back to the labour suite, see what's happening. Um, so she wasn't expecting to stay. She was just going to go home. So I kind of said to her, just go home, you know, come back in a couple hours, do what you have to do, come back in a couple hours and we'll just, you know, see where we're at then. 
Um, so she went home and said, you know, I'll call you maybe like seven, eight o'clock, see what's happening, and I'll come in. I'll come in then for a bit if I need to. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. So my mum went home. I was in the labour suite, just kind of sitting there. The nurse had, had, had left. I was, you know, just sitting on the bed. And then I guess now I realised I started to get contractions. Yeah. Um, which, again, it sounds so stupid now, but I didn't realise they were contractions. I was like, oh, a bit of pain. Oh, then, you know, you have, you're in pain and you feel fine. Then you're in pain and you feel fine. And I'm texting my friends like, oh, what's happening? I'm like, oh, I'm in labour. They're like, why are you on your phone? Get off your phone. You're having a baby. I was like, no, no, I feel fine. So this kind of just kept going on. And obviously, as you sort of go further on, your, your contractions get... Um, more intense and then more painful and that was starting to happen but I'm still on the bed just lying there texting on my phone again not really realizing what's happening and then it probably was about five o'clock quarter past five that the nurse came back in I said to her I said to her oh look I need to get off the bed because I was lying flat on my back because you know the monitor's still around your belly I'm like look I really need to get off the bed Um, I'm just really really uncomfortable and she goes okay We'll get you up onto one of those bouncy football things. Yeah, yeah. And you can sit up and sit on that for a bit. I said, oh, look, that'd be great because my back's killing me just from lying flat. She goes, oh, we'll just see kind of what's happening, you know, down there before you get up. I said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So she goes, she's down there and she goes, oh, you're nine centimetres dilated. And I said, oh, well, what does that mean? She goes, you're going to have your baby. Like really <laughs> said, Oh, God. <laughs> she goes, you're having your baby. I said, oh, okay. Um, can I have my epidural? And she goes, no, it's too late for that. She's like, 10 centimetres, you're having a baby. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, so I had to get on the phone and call my mum, and I was like, mum, you've got to go back to the hospital right now. I'm having a baby. This <laughs> is like 5.30. It's like two hours later. Um, and then luckily, yeah, my mum got back just in time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. probably five minutes after my mum came, um, started pushing and he was out in a couple of pushes oh lucky and then, then you kind of I kind of looked down and he was just there <laughs> so you're now responsible for another human being <laughs> yeah how did, how did you find those first few days obviously getting your head around the fact that you actually had him and then what was life like um I would say it was it, it was okay in hospital like I think I was still just a bit in shock first of all because I thought I wouldn't be having a baby until the next day, but really it was boxing day and now I've got a child and just, you know, what do I do with this child now that it's here? Yeah. Um, so I spent that night and the whole next day just in the hospital and, and thing, things were fine. Again, I was just, I think, just in a lot of shock about, I mean, you shouldn't be in shock because you know you're having a baby, but I was still in a bit of shock that the baby was actually here. Yeah. And like when you're pregnant, I think you kind of know what you're doing. You've got control. But then the child is here and I was like, okay, I don't really know what to do anymore. But it was fine in hospital. Um, I stayed, yeah, stayed for one and a half days and then I thought, oh, I'm just going to go home because things seemed to be okay. I was healing well. Um, my child, Teddy, he was feeding well. Um, he, he was bottle fed from the start. Um, he was feeding well. Um, so I thought, oh, there's probably no need for me to, to stay here anymore. So I went home. But I think it was after I went home that I suppose maybe I was just in even more shock. <laughs> if that's possible, I was just in even more shock about um, everything. And 
because I found I really enjoyed being pregnant. I found not being pregnant really hard to cope with. Okay. Um, sounds a bit silly, but I, yeah, I just, I just really couldn't, I guess I just really couldn't believe that I actually had a child. Yeah. And then, you know, I've been working at that point, you know, for, for 12 plus years, you know, nine to five, Monday to Friday, I'm quite organized and routine driven. Mm-hmm. I don't like changes to things. And then just, I guess to suddenly not be working again, I found that quite shocking to, and I kind of, at least at the start, felt like I didn't really have a purpose. Okay. That, yeah, it's probably, it doesn't make much sense, but I find it really hard to not have a purpose. Like you go to work, you do your job, you know, you help people, you have a purpose. But, yeah, I, I just didn't really find, I didn't really find that I had that when I first came home. Mm-hmm. And I, I, didn't fall, I didn't fall apart, but I just, I think I found the transition into motherhood really hard. Okay. I do remember thinking at the start, you know, is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Just sit on the couch and hold a baby and, and wash bottles, <laughs> wash bottles of formula. Um, I do remember thinking that. Um, and I definitely, I think another podcast was I listened to recently, so they didn't, you know, soak up the newborn days like they wish they had. Yeah. Um, I definitely didn't think that's true for me, but I think I was just in a stage where I was just drowning so much it was hard to, I found it really hard to enjoy, to enjoy those times. Did you feel like um, you had a good support network around you for those early days? Oh, yeah, look, I, I did. Um, I, I did. And I was really lucky that um, within, within three months, five of my really good friends had children at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and so, that, so that was really helpful to have like five really you know, really close friends all in that newborn stage with me. Yeah. Um, and I could reach out to any, to any of them. Um, I, I think it was just more internally for me. Just, I just found it, yeah, I, I think shocking is just really the word that, that comes into it, just shocking and, and hard yeah. and just feeling a bit useless and like I had no purpose. Even though you have a purpose, I kind of just felt like I didn't have a purpose and that I, I lost a bit of myself. It's a whole new identity that you're kind of adopting and it can take a while to work out who that person now is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, And I don't think it's, I don't think it's um, necessarily just to do with being single and and on your own. I think, I think. um, I think just all women go through it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I think mothers who have partners probably experience the same thing. Um, But yeah, I, I do. I do remember feeling like I was just drowning and did not know what I was doing. Um, wish that for a bit, you know, wish that my, I was back in my old life mm-hmm. where you could, you know, we didn't have someone else to look after and you could just do what you wanted to and do what you wanted to do when you wanted to do it. And I could just go to work. I felt jealous of my friends who were at work doing yeah. something useful while I was at home on the couch, not kind of knowing what I was doing. And I think by all accounts, I had a, I had a good, had a good child. I still have a good child. Um, but I, I had a really good baby. Um, you know, he, he fed really well. Um, you know, he slept in decent chunks. You know, he was sleeping through the night and very lucky by like eight, nine weeks. Um, so I didn't, yes, I didn't certainly experience, I think, obviously he was up during the night, but I didn't really experience like, sleep deprivation and stuff that other people do. Um, but I think, yeah, just for me, it was a lot to, it was just a big transition for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that obviously got easier at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, don't lose hope, people. Don't lose hope. (laughs) 
yes. Um, by I think probably by four or five months, I kind of found my groove. Yeah. Again, I'm very, I'm quite routine driven. So having, you know, having a routine that we did and having things in place on, on, on the days that we go and we do, mm-hmm. I think really, really helped. Um, apart from, I said, my, my five friends that, that all had kids, I joined a local mum's group as well. Yeah. And I think that that definitely really helped me as well. Having mums that were close in the same position that, that I was in. And it was really good. Um, I still am in contact with my mum's group today. Yeah. Um, and it was just, yeah, really nice. that Everyone was really open and honest and people were happy to say that they were having a shitty time um, and they all had partners, <laughs> you know, that, you know, that they were having a hard time too. And it was nice just, I guess it was comforting to, to share that with, to share that with other people. Um, but yeah, I think things, things a hundred percent got better as I've kind of, settled more into my role, my role of being a mum and, and getting used to what life is like not working. And so by five, four or five months we, we were in, yeah, I was in a good place and we were in a good place and and things were good. Um, I think for me, maybe I think people either, you know, really love that newborn stage or, you know, that and or, or they don't mind the later years. And I think for me every year has, has just gotten better. Yeah. And, and and easier, I think, for me. Because um, how old is he now? Uh, so he is, well, he turned three. He's, he's, yeah, three. So you're back working and juggling and? Yeah, so I went back to work. Um, so I stopped working in the end of November 2018 and I ended up going back to work in March 2020. So I had about 15, 16 months paid off work nice um, yeah 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 <laughs> again planning was good at planning on that side of things not so much all the other things but yeah um so yeah I went back to work in March 2020 um four days, four days a week how'd you find that transition with him oh um look I think going back to work was was fine mm-hmm. I, I found that and and I think for me I was quite not excited to go back to work, but it was nice to go back and to talk to people about something that wasn't, I mean, I still talked about my child, but <laughs> to talk about things that weren't, wasn't child related. Um, and again, I think to feel, to feel purposeful. I still, I felt more purposeful then as a mum, but I guess just a, di- a different type of, of purpose. Um, I will say though, I really, I really loved, and I still did, but I really loved my job before I left to yeah. go on maternity leave. I think when you go back there, you can still love your job, but you love your child more. Yeah. Um, and I guess the the care factor, you know, the care factor I think you have when you come back from maternity leave, I guess for me personally, was a lot lower. Like you still did your job, you're good at your job, but it wasn't, it wasn't my primary focus anymore. Yeah. My primary focus was was my child. And, you know, enjoying my job but still doing the job because you have to, (laughs) because you have to, because you need money, you know, to support yourself and and to support your child. So I do think for me I still, and I've got a different job now actually, but I still really enjoy my job but it's just not like my child is my primary focus now. Um, But what I did was um, my son goes to daycare while I'm at work. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this is helpful for anyone but 
I put him into daycare um, at the start of 2020. Yep. So he had three months basically of going to daycare, not, not full days, not four days a week straight away, but a gradual build up. Um, so that, that by the time we went back to work again, we were in that kind of routine of this is what we do four days a week. And so he was kind of used to the environment and, and everything. So I think the going back to work transition wasn't as hard. It's also nice for you to have some days to yourself before you start back as well. Yeah, I it was. I really yeah. enjoyed that while Lexi was transitioning and just, because oh, you don't get it ever again. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, God, no, you don't. Um, no, it, it was really good. I think just helpful for, for him as well to get used to this is what days of daycare will, will be like. Um, it doesn't, I really wanted it to, I guess, eradicate daycare sickness, but it didn't do that. Um, so pretty much the whole first year that he was in daycare, half the time at daycare and half the time not because it was just yeah bug after bug after bug after bug um but I think that's just normal for for any child or maybe a bit harder for for women in our situation where you know it, it's just you mm. so if this you know you can't go to work and you've got to you've got to figure out alternative arrangements <laughs> yeah. and the older they get the less you can just leave them to entertain themselves as well oh I know yeah <laughs> I know with COVID and everything um yeah working from home is just not really possible um, when my son is around because you get no work done during the day <laughs> at all. <laughs> so looking back on it now, is there anything that you think you'd wish you'd done differently? Look, I don't think so. Only because, you know, it, it, it's brought me to the place where I am today. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I love where we are now. Um, so I, I don't think so. Um, no, yeah, no, I don't think so. We're in, a, we're in a good stage now. We're really happy. Um, he's a great little kid. So everything I did got us to, to where we are, to where we are right now. Um, I guess in terms of maybe like tips and stuff um, for other people mm-hmm. going through it, um, I think I would just say be honest with yourself and, and listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. And maybe don't be swayed by what, what other people think. Um, I think nowadays there are so many like yeah, Instagram pages and, and I guess podcasts and, and Facebook groups that you can follow. There's a lot of social media, I think, which is great. I think around um, being a single mother by choice or, or a solo mother by choice. Um, so I think if, if you're so inclined, you know, go on and educate yourself. And I didn't do it, but, you know, do, do, some, do some research around it um I think you're always going to have I guess in those groups people that say just do it you know it's it's the best thing ever mm-hmm. and I find it it's a bit contradictory for me to say this because it is the best thing ever <laughs> um but it's also really hard yeah I think it's also I think there are times where it's it's a hard and, and it can be it can be a struggle um but just do what's listen to yourself and and, and do what you think is is going to be the right decision, the right decision for you. Um, I also think to say to people that you're definitely stronger than what you than what you know you are, mm. uh, and you'll be tested and, and and I think pushed to pushed to your limits. Having even having a, a you know a relatively good baby, like like I had, I think you get you get tried and you get tested every day, but you're definitely stronger than you are, and. I do think if you decide to go down this route and you, um, you'll, you'll never regret it. Yeah. 
I don't think you'll ever regret it. Um, even through the really, really hard times, you you push through because you have to. <laughs> you, you've got a little one that you've got a little one that depends on you. Um, but in saying that, I think it's also important. And a lot, a lot of people, other people, have said this as well: is to um, reach out to your support networks and, and build it. You know, if you can, and it's not always possible for everyone, and especially in COVID, it's much more harder. But build a community around you. Um, your friends and, and your family and, and your other mums that you'll meet or, and dads that you, you, know, you know, parents that you'll meet along the way, um, they're, they're invaluable and their advice and, and their support. Just have an ear of someone who kind of understands, even if it's not exactly the same situation, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I think parents who are mum, you know, mums or dads who are partnered or not partnered can all just share in the roller coaster ride, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is, that is having a child. Um, yeah, I think that's what I would say to people. And have you thought about whether you will expand your family in the future? <laughs> um, you got through one? <laughs> I've got through one. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm happy with the one that I've got. Yeah. Um, I have actually just paid to have my embryos for, um, stored again for another year. Mm-hmm. Because, well, I, I'm 99% sure that I don't want to use them. I also kind of can't bear to just discard them. Yeah. Um, so they're on ice for another year and in another year I, I will decide. But I think, I think for myself I know my limits mm-hmm. um, and I think I'm just, I'm, I'm content. I'm really content and I'm happy with, with, with the child that I have. And I suppose in a way I want to give that child everything that I can. Um, and I think for me that is just sticking with and having having, having the one. I'm not ruling it out. And I've said to people, I'm never having another child. But I think just to myself, I'm not quite sure how I would cope with two and how I would use the – and I, I, know, I know you can because obviously, like I said, you're stronger than what, you're stronger than what you know. It's, it's obviously very doable. It, it is doable. It would have to be, but I'm just not sure if that's what I want for, for our lives. Um, because I, I'm really lucky to be in a position where my child goes to daycare. He's really happy there. He has lots of little friends there. Um, we've also got outside of that, we've also got a big um, friend network as well mm-hmm. um, of um, friend, my friends that have, have kids. A lot of them are around the same age. Um, so we catch up with them on the weekends, you know, and then you know, next year he goes to kindy, the year after he'll be in school. So I sort of don't think he'll be um, without, yeah. without, you know, company of, of other children. Um, so I guess I'm not, not too concerned from, from that aspect. Yeah. Oh. And what would you say is the one thing that you're most looking forward to in the future for the two of you? Oh, golly. Um, at the moment, just trying to get out of like COVID isolation. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of just stuck in it at the moment um, with COVID at, at daycare and things like that. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess I would just want to um, enjoy the time that we that we have together um, and for us to be happy. And, and we're, we're pretty happy. Mm-hmm. We're pretty happy now. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's sort of what I want, just for him to be happy, for me to be happy, and for us just to, yeah, enjoy the life that we 
enjoy the life that we have together. Um, the other thing I was just thinking of, sorry, just to go back to the, just to go back to the other, the other questions, so jumping around, um, was just, I guess, things I would tell other people. Mm-hmm. I think if you are, and I guess keeping in mind everything costs money, but I think if this is the path that you want to do or go down, start making, um, start making time now to investigate that. Yeah. Because I, I, I had a quite easy, just called up, made an appointment, you know, on my way. But I know now there's long wait lists. Sometimes people think, you know, I want to do it, then find out they can't get an appointment for a year. Yeah. Oh, it takes another year after that to get access to, you know, sperm donors and stuff like that. So it can be, I think now, because it's, you know, it's gaining, it's getting momentum, more people are doing it. It's leading to a shortage of, I guess, sperm, really. Um, I think if you, if you, if you want to look into doing it, and obviously every step does cost money, but I think it's worthwhile just speaking to your doctor or your fertility specialist now. And I think obviously getting um, aware of the state-specific rules as well, the fact that you had to wait six months between your counselling sessions. I didn't have to wait that long in Victoria. So, but then there's other things <laughs> that we have going on here. So yeah, yeah. things like that um, is yeah. trying to learn that early, isn't it? Yeah. And I think as well, if you're interested, go and get some tests done on yourself. You know, check your, I think it's, it's AMH levels, I yeah. think is right. Yeah. You know, you check your levels, check your ovarian reserve, um, Make sure you, you know, check your fallopian tubes under the, like the correct medical terms for it. But, you know, just get that kind of reproductive area, you know, checked, checked out. Yeah. Understand um, if you, if time is on your side or not. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's probably a better way of, that's probably a better way of putting it. And, and again, I think just to reiterate, you, you can, if you want to do it, you, you can do it. If I knew back then how things would be now, I'd probably look and go, oh God, I could never do that. I am not strong enough. Oh, really? You know? Yeah, <laughs> but you know, you know, but but you are. I mean, like I said, I you know, I balance work, um, looking after looking after Teddy, and you know, he's um, he's got a couple of delays yeah. that we're looking into. So you know, there's therapy appointments that he you know he does like four types of therapy a week. Wow. So we've got yeah. to you know got to fit that in. Um, look after my dad as well. Um, he's not he's um he's not well. So I, you know, look after him and care for him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess like my message is that it's, it, it is doable. And yeah, again, you, you're stronger than what you know. If I thought this would be my life now, balancing all these things, I'd be like, oh, nah, this is way too hard. There's no way I could ever do this. But, but you can. You can. I think every little, not setback, but every little hurdle that comes your way, you know, you, you can get over that hurdle. Um, until the next one comes along, then the next one. But you work um, it out. But, yeah, yeah, you have to. <laughs> you have to because because this is life. Um, especially in these COVID times now, you know this this is life, and and you can do it. And I think having having my child is is the best thing. It's hundred hands down, hundred percent the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, I love him. I love him so much, even through the tantrums and the struggles, <laughs> you know, and everything else that comes with having a toddler. Um, he, he's just the best. I think if if you go down this path, you'll you'll never regret it because you end up with something beautiful at the end. Challenging and hard, but but extremely beautiful. But you just get that little cuddle or that smile, and it just makes everything worth it. Oh my it? goodness, yes! And they've been like they've been a little shit. <laughs> they do something nice. You think, oh, I love you so much. <laughs> um, and I think yeah, just embrace the cuddles because you know 
one day they're not going to be there anymore. But it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful journey to go on. And I think if you want to do it, just just listen to yourself and, and you, you can. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your journey. I know it will resonate with a lot of people and some good advice for anyone in WA as well, because I think you're our first WA guest, which is Oh, great. okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it can be tough, but it's all worth it in the end. So it is, a, it, it is 100%. So just, yeah, good luck to anyone that's um, going on this journey. I'm Alicia, and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review, or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.